we all called on Friday, Rowdy, that the Milwaukee Bucks would be, and we had no problem saying it on Friday, whooping Miami Heat's ass on Saturday and sweeping them. And now I know the Bucks uh, struggled a little bit throughout that game, but then, you know, come the second half, once the third quarter hit, and then obviously in the fourth, the Bucks just pulled away. And yes, they took down the Miami Heat. We called it on these airwaves. We initially said, what did we say, Rowdy? Bucks and six. six. Then we saw the first game and we're like, ooh, yeah, I don't know. Well, actually, it was one of the second game. We're like, ooh, I don't know. I think they're going to sweep. Rowdy, you called it. I called it. How does it feel to be uh, correctly uh, right on these Milwaukee Bucks so well, far in the playoffs? I will say this. The first game, I go, ooh, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens second game. That'll that'll really put the flavor in your mouth for how the rest yeah. of the series will go. Obviously, Bucks came out dominated. Move that prediction up to Bucks and five. And then after you saw game three, there's no way they were coming back to win a game four. Yeah, we um, definitely moved the goalpost multiple times. Which, but, that's fine. Everyone does that. Like, look at politics. They do that constantly. Look at the, you know, like the Madison Health or the Wisconsin Health Department. They do that constantly. Look at Dr. Fauci. They, they do that constantly. Am I wrong in saying that, Rowdy? Can't we move our goalposts just like every other big entity does? <laughs> right? I guess we can. I just don't like to do that. Yeah, but we did it on sports. It doesn't you know, mess with people's livelihood unless you're the Miami Heat who got embarrassed in the playoffs. Brooke Lopez, 25 points. This Forbes dude, Rowdy, off, coming off the bench. Um, wow. He can't stop hitting three-pointers. The dude hit seven three-pointers tied for the second most in a playoff game in franchise history on Saturday. Giannis got a triple-double. That was nice to see. Uh, everyone's friend Chris Middleton scored 20 points. And Bobby Portis off the bench getting it done. This Milwaukee Bucks team... Looking good. Now I know who'd they lose. Uh, what was it? Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is now done for the rest of the playoffs. But this Milwaukee Bucks team is now going to get the winner in the Eastern Conference or semifinals, excuse me, the winner of the Brooklyn Nets or the Boston Celtics. Now it's looking like it's going to be the Brooklyn Nets as they're up 3-1 to one in their series. And I think they played tonight. Yeah, first, uh, first pitch. Tip-off is at 6.30. So if the Nets win in Brooklyn tonight, they'll go on to face the Milwaukee Bucks. And this is uh this will be a very interesting matchup because the Nets obviously have oodles of talent, but they got a lot of extracurricular stuff going on, you know? They got a lot of big egos in there. So we'll see how they can uh, you know, ju- if they do beat the Celtics that is, and then potentially face the Milwaukee Bucks. Rowdy, I heard um I forget who it was. It was over the weekend. It was a national pundit on the fine program here, 96.7 FM, 1670 in the zone. And they were going on and on and on about one topic I want to bring up a little later. But another topic that I know you can't stand either is that manufacturing losses at the end of the season to get your certain playoff uh, team that you want. Remember when the Bucks did it? Did the Celtics Did the Celtics not do that coming in? Didn't they lose coming in the playoffs? Like, weren't they trying to manufacture? I heard some national pundit just screaming about it. And now the Boston Celtics are now 3-1, to one, uh, you know, staring in the hole in the face of the Brooklyn Nets. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, over the weekend, did you see that fan that threw the water bottle at Kyrie Irving? And now he's like, I think he just got uh, charged with assault with a deadly weapon, like a felony account for throwing an empty water bottle at Kyrie. Did you happen to see that? Assault with a deadly weapon? Yeah, did you see that? I, I heard about it. I didn't see it. I Yeah, he, like, chucked a water bottle and... I don't think it hit him, but he's this guy. He was a Celtics fan wearing a Kevin Garnett jersey. He chucked a water bottle, and I think it like went near Kyrie Irving's vicinity. And I'm pretty sure they just charged him with assault with a deadly weapon, and it was a uh, empty water bottle. All right, six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Twitter is at Zone Madison. We'll talk Bucks coming up and our expectations, but dude. Last week, actually, was it the start of last week or two weeks ago when we were telling everyone you can't call them the Milwaukee Brewers, you have to call them the Milwaukee Booers? Well, I got I to gotta change the name back to the Brewers. I have, a, that's official now, as a five-game win streak is now under the Brewers' belt. What's Is this the longest win streak the Brewers have had this year, Rowdy? It's got to be. It's got how does it feel that we riding a five-game win streak? Obviously, Friday night was postponed uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers as they were rained out in Washington. The doubleheader on Saturday, win, win against the Nats. And then on Sunday, another win against the Nats. And then last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, you have the walk-off. 
Luis Urias after a Kessinger bunt. He hits the home run, and it is get up, get up, get out of here, gone, Rowdy. How's a five-game win streak feel, my brother? Yeah, previous to that, it was the the longest the Milwaukee Brewers had was a three-game win streak. That's but it. they've had, like, multiple three-game win streaks. So we're now riding the longest five in a row for your Milwaukee well, Brewers. Well, if you're the Brewers, wouldn't you want to play seven-inning games every single time? Yeah. You don't have to worry about your bullpen. bullpen. If your pitcher gives you six, then you got haters sitting there. Hell yeah, then you're feeling good about yourself. <laughs> Brewers have just been crushing it over the weekend. Now, Rowdy, I know was it was Saturday your day in the sun? I watched. Uh, yes, I went was, Saturday. I was out and about was, for most of the day. Saturday was Rowdy's day out. Yeah, doing running errands and then uh, going out with friends. But uh, I did actually catch parts of both of the games. Well, so I was going to ask you if you were uh, when you're out and about on on Rowdy's day out, if you were you know experiencing the Milwaukee Brewers. I was doing the same as you. I was. Uh, well, I was stationary. I was at my my uncle's cabin, but I had the Brewers on the radio in one room and on the TV in the other, and uh, out and about watching back and forth. But man, it was those seven inning double headers. That's nice for the Brewers because it definitely relieves you from uh, like you were saying about the stress of the bullpen. How nice was that? It was it was really nice, wasn't it? Yeah, and especially when you. It's nice to start out the first of 14 innings <laughs> with uh, Freddie Peralta throwing a complete game. Yeah, Freddie Another Peralta was dealing. complete game that was seven innings. Freddie Peralta absolutely dealing. It was freaking awesome to see. And um, Rowdy, it was also the weekend, not only the weekend of Rowdy, uh, or the Saturday of Rowdy, but Luis Arias. Have yourself a weekend. we got to talk about what uh, he was up to. Because he was actually crushing it on Saturday, and then also yesterday he was the hero. Uh, so we'll talk a lot of Brewers today as uh, we have to celebrate the five-game win streak. And today, leading into tomorrow, is I think a lot of people might think there will be clarity in the Aaron Rodgers situation. But yeah, I'm I was going to say it's June 1st today. Yeah, but I'm here to tell you I don't know how much clarity there's going to be in the Aaron Rodgers situation. But with this, uh, after June 1st, the, the Packers will save – uh, $22.8 million, I think is what it was off the top of my head, if they were to trade Aaron Rodgers. But if they did it, uh, what was it, today or before, they'd only save like $5.6 or $5.8 million. So there might be some answers with the Aaron Rodgers drama, but uh, don't get your hopes up yet. And I do see front page CBSports.com. The first article is about Aaron Rodgers. So we got to talk some Rodgers. Uh, the three-day weekend. If you missed the Rogers update, well, you're going to get some today. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Well, good Tuesday morning. This is the pipeline from the north calling you bright and early, fellas. Troy, my God, it could be the earliest you've ever called. How are we doing, my brother? Well, when I was working, I used to call this time all the, all the time early. But I'm on my way down to Chicago to help my son move in. Uh, he moved from New York down there, so that's what we're doing. But uh, I'm really congratulating Craig Council for pulling out the sacrifice bond yesterday. Um, I want to go back. I want to go back to last week in uh, game three, I believe it was, with the Padres when we lost, ended up losing in maybe 10 innings, two to one or something like that. But we had met on first and second, no outs in the bottom of the eighth, a 1-1 game. And I'm giving him the bunt sign, but he's not listening. Uh, I I just hopefully think. Uh oh. Troy, us more Troy, and more Troy, Troy, you cu- you it. cut out you cut out for a second there. You said oh, I'm sorry. I you, no no it's not, not your problem. You said I was giving counsel the bunt sign, but he yeah. wasn't listening because no. then you cut out. Literally, I think Craig okay. tried to cut your phone cord. Yeah, well, he you know when I'm giving him bunt sign, he's got to acknowledge that and get the boys to put the bunt down like they did yesterday. Go with the percentages and boom. Game's over, walk off, whatever you want to call it, we win. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping uh, June comes in and Council does that a little bit more often. Troy, check this out, dude. And Rowdy and I were figuring out before the show started on, uh, you know, you're talking about how you were giving Council the bunt sign, he wasn't listening. Well, on May 27th, when the Brewers did beat the Padres in extra innings, Keston Hira lays down a bunt. And then eventually Jackie Bradley Jr. comes up and he hits that double uh, to the wall. That was on May 25th. The Brewers 
haven't lost since Troy. In fact, yep. yesterday, not only did they bunt last Thursday, but they bunted yesterday. Uh, Keston Hira, the same bunter, and they go on to win. It, yep. Troy, it, it just makes sense to me. you got to bunt every game now. It, well, I don't know about that, but when you, <laughs> uh, you know, it, to me, if you're the home team and you go extra innings, it's automatic. 100% you got to bunt them to third. You know, you can't play for the big inning. You got you got to get one run, fellas. So yep. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm kind of stubborn when it comes to that. I'm gonna keep on pounding at home, and hopefully, council will do it a little bit more often. So he has to. Hey, Troy, how's the long weekend, man? Or is every it, weekend for you long every, now? Yeah, every weekend the day is uh, is a good day. So <laughs> everything's good here. So I just want you know I said to somebody, yeah, I'll be heading down uh, Highway 43, and I'll have. Ebo and Rowdy on said, I'll take care of my trip down to Chicago. My so. man. Well, Troy, we'll try our best. To, well, we always do to entertain you. But I got a question from uh, Sturgeon Bay, right? Yep. Yep. To Chicago. How freaking far of a drive is that, dude? Yeah, that's about four some hours. Uh, you know, I forgot to tell you, a week ago, Saturday, I was down in your neck of the woods. Uh, I had to go to a funeral in Platteville. Ah. And I went I went through Dodgeville, and I, I said a few... Uh, you know, heights, but along the way, but uh, <laughs> I could. I, all, uh, that's it what it was. Good. I felt. I felt this like this disturbance in the force, Troy. Yeah, Someone right. going through Dodge, right. I could feel it in right. the air. Well, uh, this is about a four-hour, four-plus hour ride, and I got a truck full of uh, stuff. I'm pounding on to my kid so he can put in his apartment. So there you go. That's the way to do it. Give your junk to your kid. I love it. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> you guys have a good one, huh? <laughs> you too, Troy. See you, brother. All right, have a good week. See you, man. You too. There he is, the pipeline of the north, Troy. Oh, there you go. Rowdy, the Brewers bunt, they win. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, when you're when like when Troy was talking about how <laughs> if you're the home team in extra innings, it's gotta be a must. Yeah. To bunt them over. And if you're playing for just one run, I don't understand why it's not being done all the time either. Well, I don't get yeah, don't you get a guy don't you get a guy in extra innings starting on second? You do, with no outs. Like, wouldn't you just I don't know. What would you do if you're in the situation to be the manager, Rowdy, and you have a guy starting on second? What would you do with the first man up? I would bunt him over. <laughs> like that's it. Just seems it seems easy. It seems like it would be just you know something you, you would do. You're playing for one run now. You you have people that are going to cite. Well, actually, if you look at the statistics, it's worse if you bunt him over. It's worse if you're looking at the average inning. If you're laying a bunt down, you're killing your average inning. But if you need one run and you're talking about going from second to third, it's actually works in your favor. I believe you increase your percentages by like 5% of scoring. So it's, yeah, just, okay. It's You don't get less outs in extra innings, do you? You get a runner on extra, on second. You don't get, you don't get like a less out, right? You don't have two outs to work with. Don't you have a full three? Is it normal? Besides a runner on second, why don't you just bunt him over? Oh, J. A. Krebs, why do you got it? J. A. Krebs comes in. He tweets at me. Says, finally found something Keston can do. Bunt. Hey, you got to get in where you fit in, Krebs. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Happy... Not Monday, Tuesday. Your Milwaukee Brewers riding a five-game winning streak. Rowdy, that's the longest of the season, correct? Yep. All they had before this were multiple three-game win streaks. God, it finally feels good. I love me. Now, at first, the seven-inning doubleheaders I didn't really care for. Not a fan of you know changing the rules of baseball. Didn't really care for starting the runner on second either. But when the Brewers come out on top of set affairs... Then it kind of eases it up for me a little bit, and I do kind of enjoy it because now we can talk about the Brewers winning five, one, two, three, four, fifth, five games in a row. How's it feel, boys, to actually be on the, the, the good end of these doubleheaders? Does it make you like them anymore? It makes it watchable. <laughs> it, it does. But it's still concerning that the pitching is there and a and the hitting's not? The hitting is not. And you always see it pointed to and fielders being in the right place at the right time for some hitters. Yeah. And the only one I can actually say that for is probably uh, Travis Shaw. I mean. The mayor. The whole month of May, he seems to hit balls on the screws 
and right at people. Yeah, and it was an abysmal month for him, batting yeah. average-wise. Hoofta. Um, but What's I, the mayor batting right now? 199. Ooh, yeah. ay, Dios mio. Uh, That's no bueno. Right, but, I mean, I've talked about it before. Um, you know, I, I like Travis Shaw, but this goes right back to Andy Haynes. As long as Andy Haynes is the hitting coach here, mm. and whatever they're teaching people, mm. Travis Shaw is better off somewhere else. Because since he's been a brewer with Andy Haynes, he's been hitting below 200. Without Andy Haynes, he's a 250 or better hitter. At, at, you see Cubs fans feeling sorry for the Brewers because they've kept Andy Haynes this long. We don't need the Cubs fans' pity. But okay. we have it. We don't. I don't want it. And the weird thing is, I don't want it. They're don't not saying keep him. They're like, you guys got to get rid of this dude. With the Cubs fans are chiming in and saying, are they like trying to help us? It does seem that way. That's tough. But I mean, it's still concerning seeing the lack of hitting this team is doing with the players that have been in this system for three years under this hitting coach. All right, so. My guy Nelly over here, Rowdy Nelson, believe it or not, all the same person. He had said something because Keston Hira, last Thursday, Keston Hira in the 10th inning bunts. Then eventually, Jackie Bradley Jr. steps up and he hits that double Brewers win, beat the Padres, right? And then last, yesterday afternoon, 10th inning again, Keston Hira's up the bat. He lays down a bunt. Then eventually, Luis Urias comes up and hits the dinger. And, you know, bumps off the wall, hits the walk-off, Brewers win, all because Keston Hira bunts. Rowdy, what did you say about the numbers and the analytics with Keston Hira? Or just bunting in No, general? no, no. So everyone's screaming about how bunting, you know, kills innings and it's actually not beneficial to do it. Yes. It's not beneficial to do it over the average inning. So if you were, say, in the fifth inning and you had a guy on second with nobody out, and the score was, I don't know, like six to three, where there where you need more runs. Yeah, it's not beneficial to do it. But if you're looking to score one run, your your percentage if you're looking to score multiple runs in that inning greatly decrease if you're bunting because you're already giving up one of your three outs. But if you're looking to score one run and from the situation where you have a guy on so second, extras, yeah, where you have a guy on second with no outs swinging away versus a guy on third with one out, where a number of different ways can score him, your in, your chances of scoring increase from sixty percent with a guy on second and nobody out to sixty five percent from a guy on third gotcha. with one out. So gotcha. it is a it, analytic wise, it is a little bit better having a guy on third with one out than a guy on second with no outs. But if you're looking for the entire inning, it is not beneficial to you because you're giving away an out because you're looking to score multiple runs. But for one singular run, it is beneficial. So in extra innings, they should be bunting because it's so much beneficial according well, to the numbers. We had Pipeline on the North Troy call in, and he yep. says if you're the home team, and obviously if you're the home team and you're tied still in extra innings, I don't get why they're not bunting every time. That's what Troy said, and, I, and I'm with him. Because yeah, when you can get a guy to third base with one out, we look at this Brewer team and we laugh and we joke and we kind of cry about how bad that— We laugh so we don't cry. <laughs> at how bad they are swinging the bat just in general, whether it's righties or lefties. I— they're hitting like below 210 Ooh. as an entire team. We can find out the splits. <laughs> <laughs> I think against lefties, they're hitting like 225, and against righties, they're barely hitting over 200. Oh, that's tough. But regardless, it's not a good average. Nope. And when you have three straight guys go up there trying to get base hits, well, the average right there is telling you they're only going to get a hit about one out of every five times. <sighs> So those three never move the guy over from second base, and you hardly ever see any productive outs anymore in Major League Baseball. Two twenty six first lefties, and uh, I may look at those stats every night for, <laughs> for gambling and purposes. Into the abyss, Rowdy. <laughs> Just saying, but uh, but yeah, if you have a 
I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Sorry. Pro, uh, lack of productive outs in baseball. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you have I'll a team that's track, batting baby. about two ten in general, it's only telling you that one out of every five at bats you're going to get a hit, yeah. even though you only have three guys that are going to move them. You hardly see anybody in baseball these days with productive outs where it's okay if I'm a right-handed hitter and I got a guy on second base and no outs. If you know if I'm not going to strike out here, maybe I'm just going to hit a weak ground ball to second base. You don't see that anymore to advance or, the runner. Or in Keston Hira's case, a screamer to second, one hops, double play. Yeah, and <laughs> double play. And you just don't see it as much, but if you do put the guy on third, all of a sudden there's a guy on third with one out. You could have a wild pitch slash pass ball. You could have a sacrifice fly. Yep. Hell, maybe you could even have somebody roll over to second base softly that still scores a run. <laughs> that reminds me of or a base hit. Knights. Well, you could finish second. Third, fourth, hell, yeah. even fifth. fifth. <laughs> but there's so many more options on on things that you can do where it doesn't actually incorporate a hit, because right. the Brewers aren't hitting. Is that what did Reese Bobby say that? Yeah, he's like, man, because well, I was a I'm high, a, high on peyote. You always said if you wait first, you're last. last. I was high on peyote. I was high on peyote. Hell, you can finish third. No, but you're right. Fourth, like, fifth. The, the amount of things I think we're now looking that we've taken for granted. Granted, in baseball over the years, isn't happening anymore. Like, it's the little things. Because there's so many strikeouts, and and the Brewers are one of the teams that strike out a ton, and they're not hitting the baseball. Yeah. So? So I I feel like... here up there, bunt them. If you're looking for just one run in a situation like that, yes, I would be bunting if I was the Milwaukee Brewers. And then again, like I said, I'm not calling for a bunt every single time there's a guy on second base. So, speaking of bunting, coming up at 7.40, today is Tuesday. I just I have to message him right now because I didn't, I didn't link him with him yesterday to remind him. But I'm texting Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. Don't forget about me at 7.40. If anyone is Mr. Anti-Bunting, it's Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. He was livid that the Brewers won last Thursday courtesy of a Keston here, a bunt that got things going in the 10th inning, livid that they won. And I guarantee you, he was livid yesterday afternoon when Keston Hero again lays down a bunt, which eventually leads on to the Brewers winning with Luis Rios' home or a, a walk-off. Now, we're going to say, because it's it's funny, that the Keston Hero bunt to start the five-game winning streak was the reason why they won. Obviously, the bunt really didn't have any significance because of what occurred afterwards. But they still did do it. But yesterday, if you watch the game yesterday against the Tigers, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to turn out to a T. You move the guy over to third, and then the next guy comes up and either hits a sack fly, gets a base hit, and you manufacture the run. Yesterday is exactly how it's supposed to look when you're doing it. Yeah. I gotta stop saying Luis Urias hit a home run. I don't know why I keep it's like drilled in it my head. It went over the wall. Yeah, I keep is a one hopper. It keeps. I keep like seeing it go over the wall. What I don't understand though is, and I get it because all you needed was a single to win. It went over the wall. It's technically a double, but it went down as a single. Yeah, I don't know. Brewers win, so that's all that matters. Because technically, you only needed the right. You only needed the one base. All right, here's what we're gonna do. But I mean, if a guy hits a walk off homer, it's a home run. It's a home run. And he walk gets, off ground rule double. He get that's what it was. <laughs> but on a walk off homer, that guy still gets to round all the bases, even if somebody else is on the base. And then it, you win by two or whatever it happens to be. Uh, so the king just asked, so why didn't the Tigers bunt in the top of the tenth? Well, they did. Well, king, there you go. RJ just answered it for you. All right. So Milwaukee Brewers, Nelly, I have here. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the radio call. It sounds a lot better than the call right here that was on the TV from Bali Sports. Fly down right center field. That should be well deep enough. Reyes can't catch up. It bounces on the warning track and over the wall. The Brewers are going to win it in 10 innings. It's Luis Urias on this Memorial Day. Luis Urias gets the blue Gatorade dumped on him even before he touches second. Game is over. Bernie Brewer going down the slide as he just kind of pokes it out there into a far center right field, hits the wall, bounces over. Luis Urias, Rowdy, has been really upping his game ever since the Brewers acquired Willie Adamas offensively. Willie Adamas also hit a two-run shot yesterday 
what is going on with the crew? Was it really just a tough stretch for them and we had to wait it out and to have them gel a little bit? Or is it still you look at this Milwaukee Brewers team who, you know, what, they have seven hits yesterday and they still found a way to win? Is it still a problem with the offense of the Brewers and they're just finding ways to do it because of how good the starting pitching is? Like, what is it with the Brewers right now, in your humble opinion, that got them riding on this five-game winning streak? Well, one, I think it's a little bit of everything, right? When you look at uh, the fact that they have been scoring a little bit more runs over the win streak, they've also, now San Diego is a good team, but we're also looking at four out of those five games came against team under 500. And you have Detroit, who's one of the lesser teams in baseball. So uh, they're scoring a little bit more runs. They're playing lesser competition. Yeah, because the Nats are below. the starting pitching is continuing to be good. It, but what do we know about the Brewers in this upcoming month? We knew that two out of their three toughest months out of the six-month season were going to be April and May. Yeah, They're now entered June, which in my opinion is probably the easiest month they have on the schedule. So so we, we as Brewer fans hope to see that they continue to win. I mean, look at their upcoming schedule. They play one more with Detroit tonight. Then you have a four-game set against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are a team well under 500. Yeah, they're no bueno. They're they're uh, towards the bottom of the NL West. You then have three games in Cincinnati. All right, so let me let me just go through the records here. The Diamondbacks, who are upcoming, are 19 and 36, last in the NL West. Uh, who's next? The Reds, you said, Rowdy? Yeah, three games set in Cincinnati. They're, the Cincinnati Reds are 24 and 28. They're second to last in the NL Central. Only the Pirates are worse. Then they come back home after just that short three game uh, road trip to Cincinnati for three against Pittsburgh. Like I just said, they're worse in the NL Central. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 20 and 33 currently. Then they extend the, the homestand to three more games against Cincinnati, which you already went over, losing record. Yep. Then they go on this road trip. Four games at Colorado. Oh my God! The Rockies are twenty and thirty-four. They're second to last in the NL West. They stink. Then extend that to three games in Arizona. Again, the Diamondbacks, who are nineteen and thirty-six, last in the NL West. Then they finally come home to three more games against Colorado. <laughs> twenty and thirty-four. They stink. Then you have uh, the rest of that homestand is a three-game set with the Chicago Cubs. And the Cubs are good. They're 30-23. and 23. The Cubs right now are number one, and I, it pains me to say this, they're first place in the NL Central. And that is June for you. That's June. So it's a bunch of bottom feeders and then the Chicago Scrubs, who the Brewers own the season series right now, right? What are they up on them? 6-3. 6-3. They're up on the Cubs. But yes, so the entire month of June, you play bottom feeders or teams under 500, except for three games against the Chicago Cubs, and you're 6-3 and three against them this season. And the Cubs are dirty. Has uh, who they, who'd the, who'd the Cub, Who got hit in the head again? Was it Jace, Was it Peterson or Robertson? Who got hit in the head? Daniel Robertson. Robertson. Is he, he's, yeah, he's all right now. Cubs, dirty, dirty, dirty. Tiss, 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 but tiss. But that's, that's, we've got to see a lot of winning. From the Milwaukee Brewers this month. Because if you don't, you're going to be falling behind. Not only are you going to be falling behind uh, whoever is going to be leading the division, whether that be the Cardinals or the Cubs, but you're also even losing more ground in that wild card, which at this point right now, it looks like uh, winning the Central will be uh, will the, be an actual thing. because That's the path? Yeah. It's, it might be harder to make a wild card appearance than it is to win the central if things uh, continue to stay the way they are with the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers all playing really good baseball out west. Yeah, look at the NL West. The Giants are first place right now, 34 and 20. The Padres second, 34 and 21, and the Dodgers are two games behind first place at 32 and 22. The NL West is stacked on top, but then you look at the NL Central. I mean, the Cubs are 30 and 23. The Cardinals are 30 and 24. And then the Brewers are twenty nine and twenty five, and you know don't discount the Reds. They're twenty four and twenty eight, but they're they're you know five and a half games back. But look at the top, the top three: thirty and twenty three, thirty and twenty four, and twenty nine and twenty five. It's uh man, that's a tight race up there. So the Brewers riding a five game winning streak. In fact, the Brewers are eight and two, their last ten, been crushing. Here's what I want to do, Rowdy. I want to talk about the starting pitching staff of the Milwaukee Brewers. Because someone is creeping up in Cy Young candidacy. 
Jacob DeGrom is number one, right, Rowdy? We'll tell you who number two and number three are. I think you should know by uh, how we've kind of been teasing it here. So we're going to talk Milwaukee Brewers and have comments coming up as well from some of the cats on this club as the Brewers looking for their sixth in a row and sweeping. Yeah, they swept the Nats over the weekend, and they can sweep the Tigers in their two-game set tonight at American Family Field. So real quick, Brody, let's go back to Sunday's uh, action. Brandon Woodruff, the big woo, went seven innings, allowing just two hits and struck out ten. It was his tenth straight quality start, the longest stretch by a Brewers pitcher since 2008. He dropped his ERA to 1.27, that second best in Major League Baseball. And now, according to the Cy Young candidacy, he has risen up in that as well. Where is he at? Yeah, he's currently at third. Woo-wee! And who's second? Corbin Burns. Woo-wee! As Corbin Burns threw a nice little uh, game yesterday against the Tigers, Burns struck out seven over six innings of work, allowing just one run on six hits. And then if we go back to the doubleheader on Saturday, Rowdy, it was Freddie Peralta. Yeah, fastball Freddie who was just a beast on the mound as well. He got a complete game under his belt. Yes, it was seven innings, but it was a complete game. Freddie Peralta went the distance in a 4-1 to one win as he allowed just one run on four hits and struck out seven to get the win. He approved a 5-1 and one on the year, and his ERA dropped to 2.38. Yeah, Woo! and if you, if you extend Woo! down on the Cy Young list here, Freddie Peralta now 15th best odds. My sweet God. So the Brewers, when it comes to arms, are just crushing. And Rowdy, we can't forget about the other cats. I mean, who who's been back? Was it Eric Lauer come back? He's been looking pretty damn good. He's on the mound tonight. And then who else? You got Adrian Hauser. He's been looking pretty good. He can hit some dingers too. This Milwaukee Brewers starting pitching staff is muy bueno. But Rowdy, you wanted to talk, I think, earlier today specifically about Brandon Woodruff, the big woo. Well, I feel like he's a guy that's being forgotten. Now, not forgotten like... You know, no one ever talks about him ever. But I feel like everything has been on Corbin Burns. Yeah. Because of the record. Because of the strikeouts to start a season without a walk. Because of the record he started for number of strikeouts without a walk at any point during the season, which then was broken by Garrett Cole. <laughs> but wasn't that like it was all about his strikeouts? It was all about him not obviously not giving up runs too, but it was a lot about the record and that was pushed all over. But then when you look at uh, what Brandon Woodruff has done this year, outside of his very first start where he took the loss against the Twins where he went, was it four innings and gave up three runs? Yeah. Brandon Woodruff has been absolute money. Yeah, he's been electric, dude. He has been absolutely nuts. I mean, look at this. I just The stat I just read, what was it? It was uh, he has now 10 quality uh, starts under his belt. That's the longest stretch since 2008 for a Milwaukee Brewers pitcher. Who was on that 2008 staff for starting pitcher? Um, Ivani Gallardo. Gallardo. Your buddy Dave Bush. CC Sabathia. Yep. Um, well, Todd for, Coffee for, for half a year. <laughs> Seth McClung. <laughs> I don't know. Jeff Supon. Oh. Oh. All right. Let's not disgrace this segment with <laughs> Jeff Supon's name. But yes. Um, hey, whenever you can <laughs> drop Jeff Supon's name, it'll uh, piss off any Brewer fan. <laughs> this Milwaukee Brewers starting pitching staff, though, Nelly, if the sticks can figure it out, are we looking at a team that can, yes, get that first place in the NL Central? I don't see why not, right? They they have the bats to well, do it, a, don't that's they? That's a huge if, if <laughs> the bats can figure it out. Because if you look at... If they won five in a row. But you if you look at pitching-wise, the teams that are in their division that are ahead of them, obviously the Cubs and the uh, Cardinals... If they can start hitting the ball, you would have to say they become the favorite over those two teams. Now, the Brewers' bullpen, still a lot of question marks in it, but you have Mr. Shutdown. You have Josh Hader. And when you look yep. at uh, when you look at the Cubs, their rotation might not be anywhere near where the Brewers' starting rotation is. But believe it or not, going into yesterday, the Cubs had one of the best bullpens in baseball. Really? They were second. Weren't we told the Brewers would have the, one of the best, if not the best uh, bullpen in baseball season? Correct. And we were also told that the uh, Cubs 
and the uh, Cardinals bullpens wouldn't be that great. Be PU stinky? Well, that was definitely flipped on its head here because I believe the Cardinals are middle of the road when it comes to bullpens. Cubs are second best in the league, and the Milwaukee Brewers are still bottom seven. Gross. But I I don't think you're hard-pressed to find a team that you can say has had a better starting five than the Milwaukee Brewers this year. Yeah, the Milwaukee, yes. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, look at them. You got a guy in Corbin Burns who's second in Cyan Candace, Brandon Woodruff's third, and now Freddie Pelton's moved up, you said, to 15th? To 15th. You have you have three guys in the top fifteen. That's it's it's insane. And then oh yeah, we also have Adrian Hauser who's been pretty steady all year. We had Brett Anderson before he uh, what was it hurt his hamstring in Chicago mm-hmm. was pitching pretty well. And then Eric Lauer since being recall has been throwing the ball extremely well. He takes the hill tonight. Yep. So are we seeing life though with the Brewers' offense starting to come alive, especially what's uh, with the new additions? Willie Adamas, who was just acquired, what was that, two weeks ago? Willie Adamas has been absolutely crazy good for the Brewers and that stick. He just hit a two-run shot yesterday, and then Willie Adamas came up, and or um, Willie Adamas, Luis Urias came up to Willie Adamas and said, I'm going to hit the walk-off here, and he did it. Like, do we see life now, Rowdy, with uh, some of these new additions coming through? Like, Urias... I know he's not the newest, but Willie Adamas now, and you have, uh, you know, who else is like making it work it's, for the Brewers? It's a little bit of life, but Omar it's, it's not like it's fixed. Like we talked about over the five game winning streak, it's not like it's fixed. They're only scoring 4.4 runs per game over this five game winning streak. That's not a ton different from their their current season average. It's about three quarters of a run more than their season average. So it's. It's not like they're just tearing the cover off the baseball. I think what you're seeing is the starting pitching continuing to do well. They're playing a little bit lesser of teams. Yeah. And they're finding ways to win. Now, I'm I'm hoping that we're going to see the offense turn around because we're still waiting for Christian Yelich to be Anything close to what Christian Yelich was in 18 or 19? Well, he had a triple on Saturday. I know he's... But what that... I'm like reaching here. But but. what that Willie Adamas trade did was... I think it it did give him a little bit of life or just like a little shakeup. Well, definitely sparked up Luis Urias. And I think it's it's obviously it's showing that they're not necessarily scoring more, a ton more runs, but I think you could say that the defense has been shored up, correct? Yeah, because Willie Adamas, he's a beast with the with the glove, has been much better in his short stint so far with the Brewers than Arias was when he was committing nine errors. Correct? Yes. Well, now you have a shortstop in Adamas and Colton Wong, who's obviously a Gold Glover. We talked about how the outfield is filled with Gold Glovers, and that you're well, not having any issues in the outfield. Well, I got, I got, I got bad news actually. Lorenzo Cain. Left yesterday's game with that right hammy discomfort. Craig Council did say afterwards that he's Kane is heading to the IL. And check this out: the series of changes the Brewers made as a result include Keston Hira, ready for this, Rowdy, moving to left and making his first career outfield appearance. <laughs> I just gotta laugh because <laughs> so do I. Keston Hira at UC Irvine played center field. Like that was that was what he started playing college baseball doing. Yep. And then they kind of realized, oh, this guy doesn't necessarily have a a tooled arm to play center field at the next level. So they moved him to the corners. Then that's when he developed his elbow issue, right? Mm-hmm. Then they moved him to second base, and then it was showing that it really wasn't getting better. So then they DH'd him, and then that's why he fell in the draft. And now we've come pretty much full circle as. Where the hell can Keston Hira play? Well, yesterday they plunked him uh, to left field after Kane. Well, then they moved Yelly over, and then so I, they, I, they, I, they had a carousel yesterday. I will say this though: I'm not against him playing a left field if the elbow feels good because he played outfield coming up until he what started would you having have him elbow first issues. base or left field. Probably left field where he's I don't know played majority of his younger career. 
In a perfect world where you can draft and develop your players, okay, I would t- say, okay, Ted Thompson. I would say first base because it fits better on this roster. You don't, in theory, you don't need another outfielder when it's Kane, Yelich, um, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Avisel Garcia. In theory, <laughs> but and the biggest thing for Hira, he made a couple nice plays at first base. By the way, on some Urias, he did high throws. It hasn't been his glove. Or even the footwork, which can be a little bit more difficult learning at first base. It's literally been him throwing the ball on the infield is where he's committing all his errors. So in a perfect world, it would be first base. But right now, in the reality we live in, it's left field. In a perfect world, you'd, you'd, you'd be able to draft and develop and keep your own players. But hey, David, you, Stearns, David Stearns knew he was taking this chance when they drafted Keston Hira because that's why he was literally the top bat in that draft. They said coming out, he was the most major league ready bat yep. in the draft. But it scared teams away from him, and he fell to 10 to Milwaukee because no one knew if he could legitly play any position with his elbow or what was going on with that besides DH, and that already cuts out half the league. So Keston Hira yesterday getting a little, uh, you know, tossed around a little different positions here and there, and then called upon in the 10th inning to bunt. My God, Hira, who's batting 133, 133 says, you know what, I think bunting is a good idea. And And he weighs it down. And how the turntables have turned, right? Because when everyone's screaming about, oh, you shouldn't be bunting all the time. And we've never championed to be bunting every single time, but it makes sense. Even if they started an inning where Christian Yelich was leading off and you have a guy on second with no outs, I'm not bunting Christian Yelich. But when you have people that are struggling or lesser hitters, yeah, I'll bunt them 100%. How the turntables have turned, (laughs) do you think in 2019, if this was the same type of situation with how Keston Hero was hitting then, do you ever think you would ever see him laying down sacrifice bunts? You wouldn't. No. But now it's it's a necessity because Hero can't hit the bunts out of a barn. Now when he's hitting in the 130s, yeah, your ass is bunting. Oh, my, 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 how the turntables turn, Rowdy. Well, Saturday was pretty nice, not only for the Brewers, but also for the Bucks. Have yourself a day, Milwaukee, as the Milwaukee Bucks absolutely dominated the Miami Heat in their first round opening series of the playoffs. Bucks sweep. Heat were the team that embarrassed them last year down in the bubble. Now the Bucks said, you know what, we're going to embarrass you. As they go down to Miami and just <laughs> whoop ass. Rowdy, what do we think here of uh, the Bucks and their opening round playoff sweep of the Heat? Is this a message being sent across the league that say, hey, we're not fooling around like we were last year. We're here and we mean business now that we got this guy named Drew Holiday? So going into this upcoming or this NBA season, I was under the belief that making the trades for Drew Holiday, you know, signing the, at the time, the Augustines and the Forbes of the world. Yeah. They were becoming a better team, not as deep as they were the last two years, but a more top heavy team, which would be beneficial for the playoffs. And you remember then the season started and they started off slow. And that was when Chris Middleton came out and said, well, you know, to be real, we don't care about, the regular season, as long as we make the playoffs, it's all about getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah. Which we both agree with. And going into this Miami series, you knew that from going back to last year, Miami matches up decently well, though it's two different teams with the bucks. Yep. But you also knew that they were top heavy and they'd be better. And drew holiday just in general is so much better than Eric Bledsoe going into the playoffs. So I was under the belief that, the Bucks would win that series. It'd probably be four to two. But then, outside of that first game, where you had to question some things with uh, how both teams played, the Bucks absolutely smoked the Heat. Was, they they ran them out of the gym. They rolled. So, uh, to be honest, the first round they exceeded my expectations. Now, this is where it's going to get interesting: is the second round because okay, I'm so going to anticipate it's going to be the Brooklyn Nets. Same. And, and in my opinion, the Brooklyn Nets this year are the toughest matchup for the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Nets and the Celtics are going tonight. 6.30 is their tip-off, and the Nets are up 3-1 to one in their series against the Celtics, I, and it's in Brooklyn. 
I'm assuming that the Nets are going to find a way to close out the series and then you know meet up with the Milwaukee Bucks in the semis in the East. But yes, the Brooklyn Nets definitely scare the hell out of me when it comes to the matchup for the Milwaukee Bucks. Because if you look at the just the the rosters alone on paper, who has more talent? Wouldn't you say? Well, a it's lot the Brooklyn of, Nets. A lot of times, the just talent wise, I'm not talking about gel and their you know. Um, you know how yeah, they all well, operate on the court, but just the NBA, on paper, it's it's said talent wins. Talent right? wins out in the NBA. Well, if you look at the top three players from both sides, you have for the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously Giannis, Middleton, and uh, Holiday. I mean, that's a fine three players. But then you look at Brooklyn, and you go, well, you have Durant, Irving, and Harden. <laughs> okay, that's talent. Those are potentially three of like the top fifteen guys in the NBA. Yep. Now Giannis is up. Listen, when it, let's take away all of the let's take away the James Harden and you know how his quote unquote swagger is. Let's take away Kyrie Irving and his the Earth is flat and all of his weird uh, things that he takes on. And let's take away Kevin Durant and his weirdness as well on Twitter and just do skill alone. Who would you rather have as the three? Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, or Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden? Well, it's obviously Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. Talent wins that, out. In and the that's NBA why I think say. it's going to be a tough matchup. I think the, the Milwaukee Bucks actually match up way better with the 76ers than they do with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Like but unfortunately the Bucks placed third, so it really doesn't matter if they got third or second. The only way they would have stayed away from Brooklyn is if they would have won it all. Definitely. And they did not. So the series that's upcoming, which I am going to say that the Brooklyn Nets are going to advance. It might not be tonight, but yes, they are going to be advancing. I am very nervous because it is the this is the reason why the Brooklyn Nets went out there and got the likes of James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And then you got to throw in what Blake Griffin is there as well. They have a lot of talent. Now, Blake Griffin is a shell of himself compared to years ago, but still it's a name. Isn't that, DeAndre you know, Jordan still there? Yeah, I think DeAndre Yeah. They have a lot of guys that are chasing rings and they want to win. But what the Bucks have going is this. The Bucks have gelled. I can feel the, like the series beating the Heat is this moment where, hey, we exercised the demons of last year, and they said they wanted to go down there and just throttle the heat. My God, they did just that. In fact, Giannis has comments about that. And another thing to your point about having more of the talent and having the better three players, I think when you just look at them, not only do they have the better three players, but they have the better three all-around players when they want to be when they want to be players because obviously you know Kyrie Irving can disappear on defense when he's not in tune to the game yeah same thing with James Harden yeah oh yeah but when when all of them are focused and in on the game they can play good defense have you ever have you ever seen like those uh compilations of James Harden playing defense where it's like he's literally just standing there <laughs> and, yeah, and then the next thing you know by. the next the next play is like him up in someone's grill pickpocketing yep. them yeah it's like when wow. he wants to, he can do it. Exactly. You can't say the same thing for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden can all get to the rim. They can all shoot the ball from behind the arc. Yeah. And when they want to play defense, can play defense. Totally. You can't say the same thing about the Milwaukee Bucks. No. I mean, Giannis, Giannis can get to the rack. Oh, yeah. and they can all make free throws. Bucks, <laughs> Bucks, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Uh, I think maybe they are the best. They're either second or first. Giannis can get to the rack at will, but once the once the wall gets built around Giannis, and then he kicks it out to a guy like Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday. Well, that's why they got Drew Holiday, so he can hit those threes. But the Bucks have this gelling. The Bucks have this swagger about them. They got by the heat. They exercised the demons, and they're growing as a team. The Brooklyn Nets have a lot of added drama. Yeah, they got a lot of baggage. That they can let affect their play and affect their mental focus. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. These guys 
let the drama always flood in. It's always more about basketball for them. And I'm not saying it's not it's not more about basketball for the Bucks, but it's more about it's more about extracurriculars for Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant than it is for the Bucks. Bucks are gelling. They exercise the demons with the Heat. What's going to happen with this six or uh, sorry Celtics and Net series? Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Jeff, I'm going to book that cruise on Carnival anyway. <laughs> Good to hear, down. Charlie. Let me just toss you in a hold quick, bud. Nice to hear that the kid's booking his, uh, his cruise. Good for you. Go enjoy yourself, Charlie. <laughs> It'd almost be like a second vacation for us. Yeah, it would, it would be, well, he's got the anytime, anywhere phone, Rowdy. So who knows? But here is Giannis Dendekumbo after the game uh, on Saturday, after they swept the heat, saying, he, he says there's a saying that don't play with your food. We didn't want to play with our food. That's why we dominated. Here you go. We're just trying to focus game at a time. Um, game three, we want to come here, still one. And uh, game four, we want to be locked in. And, uh, you know, you, uh, there's a saying, don't play with your food. We didn't want to play with our food. And uh, we went out there, compete as hard as possible. Obviously, they made it really, really tough for us. But uh, we kept our composure. We kept moving the ball. We kept defending as a team, and we were able to get a win. So Giannis Dendekumbo in the Milwaukee Bucks went down to Miami and made a statement. Said, you embarrassed us last year. We're going to absolutely throttle you. And they beat him in four. Well, you can definitely tell that Giannis is a, a father now. <laughs> yeah, don't play with your food. As he says that to his little, uh, his little son. And he's like, Dad? You've got to go down to Miami and show them what's but like. it kind of it's kind of like um, why let the Miami Heat hang around and even take a game when you can eliminate them in four? Almost like uh, why taking your foot off the pedal or why losing a game on purpose for better playoff positioning? <laughs> are, you st- are you still on that with the Bucks, Rowdy? All right. You think it's going to be the Nets? You think the Nets wrap it up tonight? Yeah. Unless Jason Tatum can score like sixty again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go Bucks make a statement down in Miami said the Heat we don't care about them we want the Nets bring it on or who's ever next I think it's going to be the Nets Bucks are gelling the Nets got all the talent in the world but one little drama in the locker room or something can tear that team apart Kyrie Irving you tell him the world's round and who is it round is it flat who knows <laughs> Kyrie Irving getting in his head, getting the head of Kevin Durant. You can just uh, tweet at him. His burner accounts might start uh, chirping. And James Harden, just get him in a strip club or something. He'll start gaining all kinds of weight and try to think of what James Harden's fall would be. Is a basketball round?